Oh my gosh, it's Thursday. Jig night. Folks, you ready? What's happening, everybody? Mike Murphy, Barracuda. Welcome to Jig Squad and the Tackle Making Podcast on audio platforms. Guys, I got to be honest with you. I don't really know if I like that name, the Tackle Making Podcast on audio platforms. I needed to call it something different. We we're probably going to change that in time. But anyway, here we are. Tonight, I got my guest already in the house. So Aaron Diddy's here with us tonight. Super excited to have Aaron here. You guys, listen, by by what I've already said, you know, we got a couple things going on here. So, um, yeah, people in chat, I, I'll do a hello. I don't know what's been going on lately. I haven't been doing that all the time. And I'll introduce Aaron in a second. Gator, what's happening? Brian Schmidt in the house. Hella bass. Audio so much better than Monster Bass. Yeah, thank you, brother. Um so we're going to have fun tonight. So obviously we're going to talk about jigs. Um, and Aaron brings a whole nother level to this game. Anthony, welcome. George, welcome, guys. And what that is, and I threw it in the title. So and Aaron's going to have to lead that because I can't do it by myself because I'm not an expert at it. But blade baits, jigging spoons. So it's going to be a cool conversation tonight. A few different things. And Aaron Diddy is one of the best out there. So a few more hellos, and I'm going to turn it over to Aaron, Dave Richardson, Larry Hadley, Tim Maynard, Gators, saw you, brother, Michael Bradley. Welcome to all. I'm sure we'll have more jumping in the chat, but Aaron, Aaron Diddy, welcome to Jig Squad. I've been excited for this moment for a long time. Tell everyone about you a little bit and um, and how long you've kind of been making jigs. So there's a lot of history of where you fish and what you do, uh, but t- how long you've been making jigs for? Let's start there. Um... Since my dad bought me my first blade bait mold when I was about eight years old, and now I'm 32. Oh so, oh my gosh, it's been a while. <laughs> and you know, Aaron, you know that those molds are old when they're the color coded handles. Yes, which used to yes. be the categories. Of- I've got, I've got blue, I've got orange, I've got molds that aren't do it that have been discontinued forever. I've got old hilts. I've got custom molds that I've had made. That's that crazy. Once you get into that, that is a loophole you don't want to go down because that's when you start getting like three, four, five hundred dollars into a five to six cavity mold for jigs. Sure. If you, um, Aaron, let me. So, like I said, there's gonna be three categories. I hope we get to tonight: jigs, uh, blade, bladed, well, cast, uh, ball head jigs, casting jigs, football jigs, silicone, yada yada yada. But I want to get into like jigging spoons or casting spoons, whatever you want to call them, and then blade baits. But out of those three, so you started making jigs, right, back in the day. And what if you had your choice of what of those three topic areas that you prefer making over anything else or you enjoy making and fishing, which what would you say? Oh man, that's tough. I, uh, I, I had to I have to put you on this right away. Because <laughs> the thing is, Brennan Chapman. From doing mold says that Aaron Diddy likes to talk, and so I said, "Well, I got to hit all his sweet spots to see what what it is that he wants to talk about first, because you're the guest. So, what's what's your what would you say would be your favorite? I'd honestly say skirted jigs. Okay, um, just and, because I mean, and it's and it's crazy because you can you can go down such a loophole with millions and millions of colors and combinations and. Sure mixture of material with hair and silicone and uh frog hair and like the the thick cut tarantula cut Mm -hmm. uh silicone and round rubber 
I mean, and there's so many different head options. Sure. Uh, I, I would I would love to say blade baits, but they're so seasonal for me that they just hit a small like niche window in the spring and the fall. But spring and fall, okay, because I mean that's typically what people say about blade baits, right? Spring and fall, yeah. and then there's some people that I know that are like, no, only late fall. That's all they want is late fall. They and that's when they really they, shine, right? And it's not that they won't work in the spring. It's just I think there's some other things in the spring that people really like to get on. Yeah, you know I mean, mean? I fished them in the dead of the summer in deep water on the Great Lake system. I'm a huge Lake Erie guy, and you can use them in July and August and still have a success. I mean, I the last mm-hmm. time I was on Lake Erie, it's it's been rough lately with work and everything. But I was I was on Erie about five weeks ago, and uh, my dad was was chucking around. Uh, actually, this is the exact one. A uh, goby blade bait that I make. Hold that. Hey, you know what? If you hold on, if you can get that closer, little. Yep, there you go. And now you posted this on Instagram too, right, Aaron? That color. Yeah, I believe so. This is this is one of my like violet interference colors that I use. Oh my gosh! It, okay, and I'm not gonna force I'm not gonna force your hand on this, but let's stick to jigs first, like you said. Even though I want to go, to be honest with you, Blake, <laughs> let's go hey, jigs. Okay. I've got I've got a whole myriad of things laid out to talk. This about. is why we bring Aaron Diddy on this show, folks. He is. He is the guru of a lot of different things. All right, so okay, so let's talk. Let's talk jigs. We'll start there. Um, what? Tell me when you're pouring jigs and you. I mean, you you make a lot of your own stuff, and you customize a lot of your own stuff too, even past just the standard mold stuff. But when you're making, all right, let's go skirted jigs. I mean, t- talk to me a little bit about two applications. What would you say is your go-to type of? Uh, jig styled head that you're using when you're making skirted jigs and and maybe if there's a variance talk about that too there's it depends on the cover that i'm wanting to fish but honestly if there is one jig out of the entire especially do it out of the entire lineup it would have to be the poison poison head poison tail head i mean you can utilize it for so many things i think i have the poison tail head i think i have like a little over a dozen molds of the same size, but I have them turned into spinnerbait molds and just with those adjustments, yeah. you're not having to use them for multiple things. No. You know, it's funny you say that because all I mean, you can use them for different things in a lot of instances, but just you're going to get different types of flashing, and it's nice to have them dedicated to one thing. And that's what I do because when I do t- take the time to modify the mold. I'll fill in either the 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 weed guard pin holder. I'll fill it in with like um, JB Weld or okay. RV silicone, high temp silicone. Mm-hmm. But I I hate. There's nothing more I hate than when you pour a jig, especially with a, a top end hook or something, and you get flashing, and you've got I to know. trim it or just remelt it because it's garbage. There's times, I you know it's funny. So my life has changed a little bit now that I'm nearing 50, right? Where I could probably afford to scrap a few hooks here and there. Yeah. But old habits die hard. You know, the old school taste of, you know, I still hold that hook and I stick it in the lead, swirl it around and then whack it on the side of the, the, I mean, uh, the, some of the hooks I used for when I, when I want to make sure I'm landing every fish, I mean, I used to fish tournaments. I don't anymore. I'll eventually get back into it, but this owner hook, 
It's a custom hook. It's Zowire. That is about a dollar and ten cents a piece. It's not a thirty cent hook. <laughs> so are you putting it in the poison tail? I put it in the poison tail. It's actually that is a thirty degree. It's I don't have to really. There's a li very little modification with it, and the new hybrid grass jig. Yes. It also fits in that sucker too. I don't. Nice. I don't think I have it in this one. No, this is the victory, the victory hook that they brought out. Mm -hmm. um, but I do have one somewhere, or at least I thought I did, that I have that uh, that Zo wire in. I, you know, it's so interesting that you're showing that because, Aaron, I'll be honest with you. This is the crazy thing. I so first of all, what's what's the number? What's the hook number for the Mustad standard fare that they they prescribe for the poison tail mold? It's Mustad. No, I don't no, even. Know. I couldn't even tell you because I don't even use it anymore. I use it at the beginning, but I I have friends that over the years have just that that hands down has been the number one requested jig that i make for friends you know and i i've always said i've not i never sell i never have but that's the one i've given away to friends more than anything else but my new my new love of this fall that i want to do is play around with some um i don't want that wide gapped hook in the poison tail i want to play around with it um in, with those those straight shanked hooks um, so that kind of excites me, but you had, is that a custom made hook that you had done there? That um, it, it is just, uh, lure craft was the one that carried it. Cause you had to buy it in bulk. Normally it is like the 30 degree, uh, it'd be the 30 degree Gary Yamamoto was like made for the Cinco's that had the centering pin on it. He yes. just ordered bulk like 10,000 at a time. Got you. That didn't have the centering pin on there. Got um, you. Aaron, hold on one second. I'm going to call my son. I did this once before, and I don't want to go through it again. I have to get my um, – let me get my charger. I got to get my chargers downstairs. I'm not letting this die. I'll be right back. Keep talking about that to the guests. All right. Um. Yeah, so Lure, Lure Craft got bought out um, by Lure Parts Online. And I haven't looked recently in the last couple of months because I still have a ton of stock of this hook. Uh, but they are going to carry it. Um, I mean, just to show you the difference, this also is a Gamagatsu um, custom 345 swim jig hook uh, that's made basically for the poison tail. These are both the same degree hook, the same. They're both a four-aught, but you can see the gap difference on these quite easily. Got um, that Zowire just has such a bigger gap. And I mean, when you're when you're flipping the heavy cover, because I do a little bit of everything with this jig. You can cast it and drag it. Um, you can flip it into the heavier sizes. You can flip it into super heavy pad cover, milfoil, uh, laydowns, mm -hmm. and it makes a great swim jig too. So it's kind of one of those, like, you can just make a ton and you can utilize it for all different applications. Yeah. You know, it's funny if I, <laughs> it, it's almost to me, there's two things. Um, this is what I'm going to say about the poison, poison tail mold. I, I really, I mean, there's so many different molds I like, but I, I really like that poison tail. And there's two things. 
I love so I like the new hybrid grass jig mold. Yes, I- I've said this many times. The reason I like the hybrid grass jig mold is because of the barbs mm-hmm. and the keepers on it, which are extraordinary. And I, if I could take, if I could take the barbs on the hybrid grass jig and put them on the poison tail and without the recessed eye a little bit on the hybrid, that would be like the ideal. That would, I, I, I would like a combination of the two. I love both. I mean, I really, I made the hybrids. I specifically designed my last batch around that end of uh, trying to make a more swim jig. Like I made a few craws and stuff like that, but I mostly made it so I could use it as a swim jig. So yeah. I'm excited to have both, but man, everyone you talk to, everyone keeps defaulting back and saying, Hey, that poison tail over time has just been a timeless mold. And I just, I love it. It's extraordinary. You can, you can make it super realistic too. I mean, being able yeah. to add the eyes onto it is, yes. is a huge deal, especially yes. in clear water applications. You know, it's funny because I, I go into I go into little um I go into little uh uh times and periods where I'm like no I want things to have eyes on them and then I like right now I don't want to make anything with eyes on them <laughs> so yeah. I just I just got done making herring heads and I kind of made them to play around with my youngest son a little bit to for him to be able to work on um you know uh putting the ball bearing on and the blade and to play around oh, oh. With it. I know you're you're uh you're talking you're talking about this guy right here. Dude, you know, you know that you're the one that put me on to some of these things. I, I make two versions. I use the crappie minnow head, and then I have uh I have one of the herring head molds that I have modified covered, covered the barb up with. I mean, it's it's another one that you can make so many different things with. I mean, swim bait heads. Yes. So like I saw Aaron, so Ben Noak, um, he was making his with, I mean, you know, and everyone's got little different versions of what they make, but um, he made his with the diner shiner. And I'll tell you what you want. I'm still going to go back to the one that I made that a lot. There's been a lot of people that mess with me. So I basically took the freestyle mold, right? Let me make myself even here with you. So I took the freestyle mold. And I wound up putting two different size beads on and then the same blades, which you turned me on to those blades. Right. And, and I, um, and I made those and they, they're, 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 they're a ways back from, they're not, I didn't use the cup washers and they're a ways back from the head. And some people said, ah, Mike, I like those. They look cool, but I wish there wasn't so much distance between the head and where the bait was. And I was using earring backs. I found, found a certain brand of earring back that just seemed like they fit on there well. And it was nice because it would hold smaller size baits on there as it went over yeah. the lip of it. Well, the deal is I made those specifically for baits like the, like the, uh, the Great Lakes finesse uh, drop minnow uh, because it's so small. And I wanted to get that bait with more, uh, more than half, or in most cases, minimally, you want the tail hanging off the back end. Well, I made these things in eighth ounce. And I'll tell you what, man, I put that that blade that you had on those that you turned me on to, not just the regular round, double round propeller blades. Yeah. Um, I was throwing that on wing dams when we were on the um, Mississippi. And I, I got bit on that. So I was, and, and, and a few other spots on the Mississippi. But I, 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 I was so happy that I was using such a small finesse bait on the back end and create that distance. So basically the difference is folks, the ones Aaron are showing Aaron turtles again, 
So the one, oh, the ones Aaron are, are showing is they're just like the Okashira screw head, right? Yes. So with with the blade, and then he's tying on the wire keeper in both instances, right, Aaron? Yeah. This is this is actually a sixty pound fluorocarbon, just a fluorocarbon loop. Um, as soon as that that bait head pops over that soft plastic, yeah, and pops back out, it's not. You're gonna get quite a few fish off of a single single one. It's Do just you... a loop. Do you have a preference one over the other, Aaron? Um, so the big or the 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 or the the heavy model. I tend to like the fluorocarbon because it doesn't tear the bait up, especially most of the time. What I throw is a three or three point five Easy Shiner on there, and that plastic being so salt impregnated, like it is, um, it it'll just. It, I find in a lot of instances it just tears, and I only get. You know, fish in the Great Lakes, you only get one or one, usually one fish out of it, and that's about it. But with that fluorocarbon loop, I can get, you know, three, four, five fish off of one. See, that's a great point. Now, that's funny because we haven't talked about that on here before. And the other person, I mean, there's a lot of people I think that use that, that use will use mono or fluoro. Um, like a lot of the saltwater guys will use uh, that malin hard, hard line or whatever they call it, which is basically it's no different than any higher pound test <laughs> for yeah. or motto, right? Um, and I have I, the spool that I have has lasted me forever and I use it to tie on uh I make my own weedless hooks during the winter too for like skipping okay. sinkos and I just tie two prongs of like 60 pound fluorocarbon on there. And nice one, you know, one it's spool funny. that lasts forever. You know, it's funny you say that because I so I went back and forth. I'm like, am I gonna tire out tie on the wire keepers but i kind of like that um i've got a lot of 60 pound mono um that i have for saltwater leaders and stuff that i think mono will work leaders. just as good too i honestly probably. the reason i use fluorocarbon is because i bought a spool of it and i have yet yeah. to use it all. yeah you know so let's talk about that for a sec aaron because i don't know if there's um <laughs> I mean, I know Brian Cole from Brian Customs Tackle. I saw him making some like that. I'm sure there's a lot of others out there, but you know, the, the world's a big place, and I only know so yeah. many people in it. You know, um, so what are you what are you doing? Are you are are you bending it at all when you're going to tie that in, or are you you're tying over the top, and then are you crossing over and yeah, tying it's the literally end of it? it's literally a pinch. So I just pinch the fluorocarbon together. I'm I'm thread wrapping on the shank, so I have something for that fluorocarbon to grip. Yeah, and then I'm putting the fluorocarbon on the two ends that that are open that are cut. Yep, they're right here, and I'm wrapping over those. I get to the front, I pull my looped wire, my my fluorocarbon back, and, cross and I over. tie kind of thick in the front to help keep this kicked out a little bit, like and a I little bump. And, yeah, got it. And then I just I come back and and put you know three or four whip finishes on it with my hands, and I'm done. All right, good advice. What type of um, what type of thread are you using when you're doing that? Heavy, uh, light. Uh, back back to when I actually researched a little bit. I used to fly tie to begin with, but uh, old small jaws, two ten denier. You know what, dude? Listen, <laughs> I tell you what, he he'll make fun of me, and he always does. I'm the fly tackle, Brian Tesh. So, I I I've always used two ten, and I started using six out, which is much lighter, and it's like. I'm gonna. They're gonna tell me I'm wrong again because I I don't get this exactly right, but it's it's a roughly 140 140 denier, 
100 between 120 140 i don't know which one it is i can't keep track yeah. but two 210 flat wax that's that's all i usually use okay. except when i'm tying uh skirted jigs where the heck did i put that one i got way too much stuff out um when i tie some of my skirted ones sure i actually have i mean nobody's gonna be able to get it but I have friends that work in the med- medical industry, and they give me a human sewing suture. That oh, okay. After autopsies are done. That's what they sew the bodies back up with and stuff, the cavities, and that is like unbreakable. <laughs> drop dead baits. I don't know what you're calling their jigs, but drop dead baits, something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, okay. So listen. So I, I'm just going to ask this, and I'm also going to do a little tip for people that are watching this show for some 2023 stuff. And I'm not going to say a lot about 2023. So I, I actually, I'll basically tell it and we'll see if people find out in time. So Aaron, I, I talked to you a little bit earlier and I said, we're going to do, we're going to do something in 2023 of different types of segments and types of shows that we do on jig squad. Right. And one of them, and I, I'm not going to tell that to everyone or formally release it like through like advertising and, Whatever. If you watch the show, you'll hear about it. But so I'm going to do some debating that happens amongst jig makers. So as an example, thread tying or wire tying. So would you decide define yourself as a thread tire or a wire tire when it comes to jig design? Probably wire tie, actually, just because it's okay. Quicker. Okay. All I right. will thread. I will thread tie personally. For when I'm doing some orders for buddies, I always do wire tie because it's a little bit quicker because they're ordering like 25 of the same jig in the same color. Um, but if yeah. I'm making them myself, I'll take the little bit of extra time and thread tie because I mean, okay. I still run rubber collared jigs uh, just out of laziness or don't have the time to, to sure. thread tie. But you can have a thread tied jig for I have some that are freaking 12 years old that are still staying together. That's the bad thing about those rubber collars is they, they just don't hold up. And I, my buddy, he, I've gotten him into jig making and bait making big time. And sure. he does the collars, but then he comes behind them with wire just okay. in case it doesn't hold up. You know, and it won't that way it's not sliding down too, especially on spinner baits and chatter baits. He starts with rubber, did you say, or a thread? He starts he starts with like just the rubber collar jig and then that's what I do. Yeah, the the collar, and then he'll come in right behind it or either right in front of it and put some, you know. I turned him on, I was like, just go to like a craft store and get some jewelry wire. Yeah, you know, you don't need anything special, like floral wire, whatever. I was like go with whatever color you want. And of course he had to get red, green, blue, regular copper, black. <laughs> ah, and you know, dude, here's the thing. It sometimes it looks cool, but then sometimes you got to pour for production and what you use. Like, it's funny you mentioned that technique because what I do is I, I have a little uh, tool that expands, you know, there's all different types of tools out there. There's a little tool that I use that expands the collar on a, in a triangle type of format. Right. Naked and then what's that? The old naked bait. Yeah, the old That's naked bait. Not. That's what I have. And, and and so I put I just I'm like, dude, this is just too easy because when you go and try and wire tie and you're holding all this stuff on there, it, it gets a little wonky, right? So yeah. I, I put the rubber collar on there, I slide the skirts I want in there the way I want it. 
I pull the damn thing off. I slide it on the jig. And then I wrap the wire. I, I start with one wrap around. I cut off the rubber guard. And then I finish the wire wrap. And it's easy peasy all the time. And I just, I like doing it that way. Um, mo- I would say this. I am thread time when I'm doing other things. So if I'm adding uh, diverse materials or differentiated materials, a hybrid type of jig or straight up other tying yeah, then it's always I'm adding in some like flashaboo i mean obviously you're you gotta you gotta thread tie a, a yes jig. but if if i'm adding in you know a little bit of accent a flashaboo or something like that that's that's when i would come in and, and wire tie or or thread tie all right so i i can't um i won't give away all the juice but listen here's the here's the thing folks so basically I'm basically deciding that there's got to be gladiatorial style discussions with people debating what is a better technique in certain things or, and that's coming to jig squad in 2023. And I'm going to leave it at that. So I just want to take note and for anyone in chat, you should take note as well that um, Omerta tackle is in the house and they're talking, they're talking about what's faster and what isn't. And he, and he's going to be a prime Evan Luda the owner of Amirtha Tackle is going to be a prime candidate to get on this new series that comes out from Jig Squad in, in 2023. So Evan Luda, it's been noted, buddy. You're going to be going on. I, and I'm not going to say the name yet. I'll hold off on that. But things to come, things to come. All right, so listen. There's one more Jig thing I want to make sure that we talk about before uh, – and I know you want to talk about it too, before we talk about some of the other areas as well. And then when we get thing, these areas all covered, then it's going to be potluck. All right. So swim jigs. So you have a very, very specific swim jig that you've kind of been holding to yourself for a while. And I'm not that this is the great launch. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really not, but you know, people have been hounding you about this. I mean, are you, are you ready to talk about this and what you do? Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk. I'll talk about the keeper. All right, so listen, I'll, I'll here's my cheap little intro, and I have no skin in this game, but all I'm going to say is if you watch, if you're not following, here, let me, I'm going to do it right now. I, if you're not following Aaron Diddy right here on Instagram, this is Aaron Diddy, all right? Um, You have to follow him on Instagram because there's a lot of pictures that people post on Instagram, right? But where the joy of Aaron Diddy is when he, once, especially when we get to the winter, is when he starts posting on his story all the juicy things that he's making, you're going to see so many cool and modified things. He he comes up with stuff and modifies things. I don't think if you told if you told Aaron Diddy the sky is blue, he's going to tell you it's cerulean. He <laughs> has to he has to modify and um and make everything look like it's grease lightning so he does a lot of cool stuff but for your swim baits or holding plastics on you have some modifications you do so why don't you introduce this a little bit and talk about this so this is this is one of my favorite swim swim jigs uh swim jig head or rather swim bait heads is the do it swim bait head i mean that's what it's called um that keel shape i fish it up at lake erie a ton you can slow roll it on bottom it just skates over rocks real good and doesn't get hung up. Um, always, always throw the game of 111 in there. That Oshana Honesty Bend is my freaking favorite hook. It just keeps the the fish pinned. Um, you excited? Just so you know, when on this show, Aaron, when people mention the 111, 
people get excited. Right? I, I go as far as to heat the the bend up and bend it to a 30 or a 60 degree, and I put it in other jigs. I've so been listen, doing it for years. And I, all right, I, I got to hold on. Let me come back to you even before you go over the rest of this. All right, so you got Aaron Diddy. You have to tell us why the 111 is this dreamy hook that people talk about, but frankly, don't use enough. But no. there are people that do modify and, and do different things with it. There's people that throw and use it in hair jigs. Oh, yeah. Talk to before you go over the rest of the swim bait, talk about why the 111 is that, that something is in, you're in love with. That is in a hair jig right there. Gamma 111. I put it in so many things. Um, For me, it's that perfect mix between it's a medium light jig hook and it's mm -hmm. not super heavy but it's not so light you can still fish it i'll fish it up to like 15 pound test with like a medium heavy setup uh i've gotten away with 17 but there's there's no point in throwing that heavy but you you don't yep. bend it out um okay the hook point on it is a little bit more elongated than normal, so I, I feel like I get better penetration. And that sprout bend... Um, That's one... That bend is one of the reasons yeah. that people... I mean, guys are going to see... No, they're going to they're gonna see the uh, the keeper this before. Is yeah. Hold that closer. Get it closer just so people can look and go like, what the heck is that? So this is, this is my keeper that I've been using for years. I just call it the safety pin keeper. Um... I make these Cheers. per per bait. I mean, I, I pour them in. They're straight shank or they're straight shaft, and I have two different pairs of pliers that I put the ninety degree bend and then the curled bend on it. And want your soft plastics on? You just pull that up through, push it through, and it hooks right onto the shank of the bait. This one already has one on. You can see it right there. And I will rip this swim bait completely into right where that wire holds that. It's not coming down. I mean, for a Kytec fat swing impact, I can go to Lake Erie and catch, you know, anywhere from 8 to 15 smallmouths before that thing's sliding down. Hey, listen, I just want to say, so there's been, a, there. it's a cult following with the 111. But here's, this. this has got to be your boy here. So Brian Ritter, he I love when people ask questions and answer it themselves. Please ask him who showed him that keeper. Me. He did show me. He did show me years ago. Brian Ritter, we appreciate you, brother. It's you know, here's the thing. It's funny because that I I guess um what what was the bait that you had in there? The fat swing? Yeah, fat swing impact. I got you. So, but basically, you um you have you ever messed around, Aaron? I guess my question is: Have you messed around ever with any shorter drops on that pin before it ran along the shank of the hook? If you were using smaller sizes and smaller baits, you right? Because the swing the swing impact is perfect for that because it's that fat bodied. Yeah. Um, but if you're ever using something more finesse, have you ever even modified it further to do some some other little? Uh, basically, so the, the height of the, the pin isn't going to impede the size of the bait, basically. I don't know if that no, makes sense. No, no. I try to keep it as close to 
the hook shank as possible. Okay. I mean, you can you can bend these pretty far out of the way too. Uh, and you are you're sliding the bait on the hook, and then yeah, this is this is undone. Out. You're just gonna you're gonna rig your swim bait up on or your soft plastic, and as soon as your soft plastic situated how you want, you're just gonna push this right up through the soft plastic, and that pin goes ahead and hooks on. And look at even. Even Bellinger's in chat talking about you being a G. <laughs> Russell's 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 an awesome freaking dude. He builds he builds some crazy crazy rods too. You know, hey, that's the word on the streets. And hey, Russ, I'm gonna have to hit you up, bud, because word on the streets is people are telling me I should be getting you to spill some juice on Jig Squad too, brother. So we'll have to. We'll have him, to talk. Him and, I, him and I have had some pretty good talks that are uh, confidential. We don't, we don't, especially when it comes to blade baits. So here, here's what I'll say. Here's another throw out. You know, I, I don't even care. I might spill all the juice before we even get to the end of the year because there's going to be a lot of good things coming. So Russ would be another good guy to, to bring on for the discussions and debates that we're going to have on. You know what? I, I, we'll, I'm, I'm going to hold back a little bit. So basically what I'll say is I just feel the good old fashioned debate is an important thing in this world. Right. And, uh, and there's nothing better than people with differing philosophies, right. To come on and be able to talk about things and have little debate sessions. So little, I, you know, jazz it up a little bit, have some fun with it. Um, so that is coming to Jig squad folks. So Listen, and I'll tell you this: I don't do this all the time. Yeah, Russell's already t calling for the for the for the line change. <laughs> so we're going blades next. So, guys, listen, I'm going to throw this out there just because I've decided that I have to do this for myself a little bit. So, before we switch over, so we'll go to the next topic in a second. We're so we're moving off of jigs, and we're going to either let's go, let's go, we'll go blades next because Russ is is clamoring for it. Um. I like when people sit there and support the channel and you could do that in easy ways, right? I don't have paid memberships. I don't have all these other things a lot, partly because I can't do any of those things yet. Um, but the reality is if you subscribe, you'll be notified. All the shows for the rest of the year are already booked and scheduled. You'll be able to see them and get notified. So you're not wondering when the shows are going to be. We've got some fantastic people coming up for the rest of the year. Everything from Jamie Bruce to uh, Mike Iavino, to Big Jim McLaughlin from up in Canada. So we have so many so many great people and experiences to tell stories about um, jig making. Uh, so if you subscribe to the channel, that's 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 your payment back to me, right? That's that's all I need. You know, there's no other way I'm supporting Jig Squad than doing this myself and um, and by myself. That's it. Um, and so that's how you can support Jig Squad by just subscribing to the channel and sharing when stuff's coming on. So that's my little PR announcement. Um, I appreciate all of you a ton, but anyway, Aaron, let's talk about blades. And I, and I'm going to say, here's all I know about blades guys. I know enough to know what the molds are. I know enough when to use them, what times this season. And I also know that I have one of my greatest memories of fishing was with blade baits on uh Northern Illinois river about 15 to 20 years ago where every cast one or two things happened. I either caught a fish or I got snagged and I kept reaching in my bag and I'm waiting, waiting in a river. I reached in my bag, put a new one on fish, fish, fish lost. 
new one. I probably went through 20 some blade blade baits, but I'm going to tell you it's a magical bait. And it, this was late fall, closer to Thanksgiving. And they're extraordinary. And I don't care if it's a river or a lake system or the Great Lakes. Aaron, you though, ex, you use these and it is, they are a Great Lakes banger. Whether yes, it be the I've, or the I've caught my largest smallmouth of seven pounds, five ounces on it. Holy cow. In fact, out of the 13 seven-pound class fish that I've caught smallmouth on Lake Erie, I think nine of them have come on a blade bait. Really? Yeah. Late season, early season? Late season for most of them, a couple early season. Usually I don't use it early season just because we end up getting so much rain and wind in March and April on Erie that I just don't use a blade bait like I do other search baits. Okay. Which Sometimes is- we'll use a blade bait just to fire a school up. If you're if you're sitting on a school of fish and they, they won't hit anything, making right. several less, I'll fire a blade bait in and get one or two fish to fire on it. And then I can throw in something like a swim jig, uh, you know, swim bait that I'm going to get a better hook to land ratio because everybody knows when it comes to a treble hook bait, especially a blade bait, you can, you can have your heart broke plenty of times. Sure. All right. So to start this off, Aaron, um, you know, there's, there's lots of different brands on the market that market good blade baits, but I don't, I don't review people's blade baits on the market. We make our own stuff. That's just how yeah. it goes. I there are if you're if you're a small custom custom company that I know of and things like that, then I highlight you. Like I I just believe in that, right? But here's the thing. So I, like rarely do you see me with notepads in front of me, but I did tonight because I wanted to make mention of a couple different things, right? Some will be for the last category for spoons, but this is for blade baits. So I live in a world of custom bait making, right? That's what I do. I make my own stuff. But when it comes to blade baits for custom designing, right, three different ones. There's a shad blade, a vibrating blade, and then ultraminal. Of those three, what is your first blade bait that you're going to to design? Just the regular ZV blade. Okay, that and that's the, that's the vibrating. So if anyone's wondering yep. what he's holding up, that's the straight, that's the regular vibrating. It's a little more elongated and yep. and not as, the height isn't as significant as the other two. This, this, you guys can be, find this, this all over. The OG mold. The orange. super. Orange. Yeah, Zonar Lure is what they called it back then. Um, that's. Whoa, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah. Hold it up. Hold it up again, because I don't know if this is. Where's Chapman? Is he in chat? This old one is any different than the vibrating lure? It only that? actually has like this side's blank for a blade insert. This side actually has where the blade fits in. I understand. Yeah. Ultra. Okay, I got you. So, talk to me about this a little bit, and so. What what talk to me about what you're using in terms of the blades themselves? Um, color does color does the type of color blade even matter to you? Because you're airbrushing a lot of yours, right? Um, if if I'm going straight silver, I'll do it. These are actually not lead. I pour 
with a special combination of tin that I found that works. I get a better vibration out of tin. I don't always use tin, um, but in certain applications, if I'm wanting a larger size, especially in the Ultra Minnow, this is, I believe, the 5.8 size head, and this probably only weighs like 5 sixteenths of an ounce. Since tin does not have the density and same weight as lead. All right, so I'm interested in what you said. So go, and it might just be what you said, and it might not be more than that. So, so it changes the density, it changes the weight, right? And it also changes the vibration. Vibration you, heavily. That's why a lot of my my chatterbaits that I make, um, they're made with tin rather than lead. All right, now come on, you can now you got to keep going. Now tell me why. You same, have to explain this more. Baits, this is one that's on that's unmade, but same with my spinner baits. I'll I'll use tin. Uh, it just emits the vibration completely different. Okay. But I think just because lead is denser, it starts to absorb a lot of the vibration off of vibrating lures like blade baits, spinner baits, chatter baits, um, where tin is a lot less dense. So you're you're just getting a better vibration. I mean it. <sighs> It came from an old Hildebrandt spinnerbait that they don't make anymore uh, called the 10 Roller. Okay. They might still make it, but it's very hard to find. But that's that's where I started to look into using tin. But you can't use 100% tin. You have to mix a little bit of lead in it um, because tin's just somewhat brittle um, and very hard to release from the mold. Once, once you pour it and it goes from a liquid to a solid, you got to get that thing out of there quick. And you have okay. to have some mold drop out and spray it in your mold to get it to release. <laughs> I, this, the, test, the test crew is killing me. Don't talk about this stuff. <laughs> hey, for the record, Aaron, uh, the test family on the flight tackle they're going to be on the show in uh i don't know a couple weeks within a month so i i just laugh because he he sits back you know he's like white shadow from freaking turbo he just sits back in the shadows a little bit and then he all of a sudden comes out of nowhere white shadow and he (laughs) he just throws out these comments and i always laugh all right so it's so now i'm intrigued by this because there's two things one if you're if you're a person that isn't um, pouring your own stuff, and you're on the show and in, in chat, or you're watching on replay, you're like, "This is crazy cool stuff. Where do I get this stuff?" And so that's one that's one that I'm thinking. But two, you guys, listen, I, I'm gonna flat out say, you know, I, everyone knows my story, and if you don't, if you watch past episodes, you'll hear it, right? But I'll say it casually. Um, you know, I've been making jigs for 20 plus years and I just, and I, um, I don't personally use tin myself. Now I will say that my mentor, uh, did use tin. And so I've thrown things that he's made himself, but I've never put tin in my pot. Um, and it's just crazy hearing these things. And here's what I'll say. If you're a new person, like, uh, like Gators was in here earlier, like Gators is like, Hey Murph, I want to get together and like, I want you to teach me just some of the basics of like putting jigs together. I don't want to pour. 
this winter. I just want to put some jigs together. So I'm going to, I'm going to either make them some stuff myself or turn them on to somebody that is selling something uh, and unpainted. But the thing is, he, here's the thing. The world of this jig making is endless. And I will tell you that the secret to all of this is if you're not on Instagram, get on Instagram and, 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 and follow people that make all these jigs. And, and if you, if you ask them, I'm sure a lot of them will either, they already sell it themselves or they would be willing to sell you some for probably reasonable prices of what you can make. Right. Um, George Wall says, check out Tin Man. Most of the items are tin. So George, is where's Tin Man at? Is he on, um, what platform is he on? Is it just a, a website or what would that be? Very cool stuff. And you know, Aaron, funny enough, dude, you mentioned Chatterbaits, dude. I, I have not, I haven't used Chatterbaits for a while and I fell in love with them again when, um, when I was on the Mississippi a couple backs we, back a couple weeks back with the do it molds people. Yeah. So Gators is here. So Gators is a new guy. Gators. Listen, if we, if I can't find somebody to sell you some at a reasonable price for the things that you need to make your jigs, I'm going to make them for you myself. And I'm just going to give them to you because I don't sell. Um, and we'll get together. You buy a couple, I'll come up by you. You buy a couple of beers and some pizzas and I'll bring all the goods. How about that? That's fair. So, um, very interesting. So how often, Aaron, are you putting tin in the stuff you make? It's not for everything, right? No, it's not. It's basically just spinner baits, um, chatter baits, and not all blade baits all the time, but just some of them. And I like, because if you're pouring silver, like these got poured over a year ago and the tin is still plenty flashy. It doesn't, it doesn't, uh, corrode or start to darken out like lead does i i more or less do it like for certain things like this is a seven eighths ounce casting spoon and it only weighs like a half ounce if that so seven eighths down to a half yeah this is this is a seven eighth size um for lead but it only weighs about a half and a half an ounce okay so that that gives me that, and that's what I've generally recognized it to be. I, I've always said it's a little more than I, my, my friend says it's half, it's half. I go, it's not half. <laughs> I said, yeah. it depends on how you mix it too. Yeah. Um, and I, I put like 20, usually 20 to 30% lead in. All right. And, so listen here, I have my, on my own specific pot that it's just, I ladle pour it and it's just for 10 because that crap's expensive. It's for a pound. It's like 17 bucks. Oh my God, there is a lot of juice coming out here, brother. Let me highlight some of these, Aaron. So different sounds. We've been talking about that. Yes. But yeah. Sean says, so this is good. This is a good question. Can you melt tin down with a regular melting pot? Which is very reasonable. Yes, question. it's 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 melting point is a lot lower than lead. Um, I don't know off the top of my head. I want to say 417 degrees is the melting point where lead is seven. Seven something. Yeah, 723 or something like that. Um, so it, it melts at a lot. I mean, your pot's only on like five or six for a Lee pot. So I have to highlight this one because I, the only, and this, maybe this is a good discussion. The only other person. So Evan Luda, I, I love you, brother, because my mentor, and listen, I'm going to say the word. 
So my mentor was, gosh, she was 80, 80 some years old and just passed away like a month ago. And he's the guy, um, like I, I was making jigs before I met my mentor, but my mentor was the guy that taught me how to make silicone skirted jigs and taught me a lot of other trade secrets. Right. And, um, and so I'm forever indebted to the things that he taught me. And if you look back at the Barracuda 8U of my, in my, my own personal Instagram page, I've got old pictures of his shop. And, um, and one of the things, look, you see what's up there, Aaron, the manganese. I don't know if it's manganese or ma- whichever one it is, whatever the elemental <laughs> formula is. Yeah. But he, he used to add this to his stuff. And I never understood what the heck the purpose of it for. Does any, anyone, anyone know? Um, let's see what Omega says. <laughs> but Omega does say this, this is what I like. My skipping jig would be way better if I could run a half ounce head, but I only, but it only weighs three eighth ounces. So now Evan Luda's head is moving, right? So he's already thinking, so listen, at the end of the day, if that's all that you get out of Jig Squad ever is just knowing that there are options and there's no definitive rules. Um, so Sean, how's the size to weight of 10? So obviously there's a proportionality to how much is added, right? So like if you're, let's talk about this so I understand too. So if you have your pot of lead, how much, how do you know how much tin you're adding or is there even a defined ratio of how much you're adding to the pot? Normally for a 10, the, the one I ladle pour in is a 10 pound pot. Um, okay. And you're so, generally filled, generally filled. Yeah, I'll fill it. So I'll put usually seven to eight pounds of tin and two to three pounds of lead is what I'd normally go with. Really? Okay. So I keep it around that 20 to 30% ratio. Understand. See, now that's it. And look at Daniel. That's my sweet spot that I found. Okay. And it's funny because I laugh because Daniel T's coming in here like it's weird science. You remember that movie? Yeah. 621.5 for less. I said, I said, what did I, did I say 723? Seven. We thought it was seven plus, but you know, who knows? It all depends on the on the purity of your lead too. I mean, soft lead or hard lead. I mean, I, guys like to use tire weights. I don't because you got to flux the lead and screw with it too much. I would rather just have. I buy mine off Roto Metals when it's on sale, and I'll buy. My mailman freaking hates me because I'll buy a hundred pounds at a time, and it comes in a package, and he's like, "I'm gonna kill you one of these days." <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because I've never bought any any lead like that. I, on that volume of amounts, but for my son, my oldest son, we, we got him a dumbbell set, like I several hundred pound dumbbell set for Christmas. I don't know. It was last year or the year before (laughs) that thing came in the mail and the boxes that thing came in. I mean, it was like whoever brought that up to the porch, they were probably like these MFers. (laughs) I'm a I'm an AliExpress guy when I'm buying a lot of fishing tackle components. Okay. Um, just like these props, that's where they came from. I mean, Benjamin Nowak, he asked me, you know, where the heck do you get some of your stuff? And, you know, I, I gave him the exact websites. Uh, ben and I have actually had some great discussions before. Um, it's interesting and- you say that too, Aaron, because you turned me on to 
Um, you know, I, oh my gosh. You know what? Should, should I even say, should I say about the blades? You can, you go ahead. It's not, it's not going to be a secret much longer. I mean, enough people figure and find it out and it gets posted. So <laughs> Evan Luda says, don't tell me. All right. I, here's the thing. Out of respect for other people that came before me. Here's the yeah. deal. If you message me on Instagram, if you message me on Instagram and you need some, uh, guidance on where to possibly find some interesting blades for to add on to your jigs um i'd be more than happy to do it but i'm not going to drop it in a public forum how about yeah that's the deal is that fair aaron that's fair that's fair that's good because there's a lot you know what's crazy is there's all these people you know i I, guys i don't need much in this world right i there's like four thousand people and half of them might be you know forex traders on uh instagram i'm not really sure but there's all these people that follow me on Instagram and I'm like, man, can a guy just get to a thousand followers on, on, on YouTube? You know, like I get all these, you know, all these people watch the shows. I'm like, guys, that if you want to support, just hit the subscribe button. If you're watching and you're thinking these guys are a bunch of hacks. No, we're not a bunch of hacks. We know what we're talking about and we're the best there is that the industry hasn't hired yet. That's the real deal. And I was told, Aaron, I'm going to tell you this. You'll laugh at this. Brennan Chapman said this to me. And if Brennan's in chat, um, he'll, <laughs> he'll, whether he remembers this or not, I'm not sure. But when we were on the Mississippi, he had said to me one evening, he goes, you know, you got to show a little bit more attitude on your shows and the things you do. I go, well, get ready. Cause 2023 folks, there's some fun stuff coming. So I, there, it, we are going to have, we are going to have a good time in 2023. We're going to have debate and, uh, there's a lot of people that have been challenging me to do that and saying, Murph, you got to, you got to put it out there. I, I, I'm going to do that. And Aaron here, I don't know what you, how you think about this, but here's another thing. I I'm dropping all the tips tonight, right? Uh, we're also, there's also going to be a saltwater introduction to the jig squad experience starting in 2023. And that's all I'll say on that for right now. So basically what you know, jig squad to be right now is not, the only thing you're going to see jig squad as in 2023. So anyway, just dropping the juice. All right. So where, all right. So Chris is asking where, where can a fella buy Aaron's jigs? Instagram, get a hold of me on Instagram. That's where I've, that's where Russell and I met. That's where a lot of guys have met me um, just through Instagram. And it all started. I think I had, Russell and I met just by I had made some blade baits, airbrushed them, posted them, do it, shared it, and ten minutes later, Russell's like, "I need some. Here's some money." Chris, um, for what it's worth, Chris McCluskey, and if you guys are not following Chris on Instagram, his name's Gators Adventures on Instagram, and I I appreciate Chris a lot for a couple different reasons. One, because you guys know I'm a homer. He's a Chicagoland area guy. And Chris, when you heard me say earlier that Chris wanted to get into making some jigs, didn't want to pour, but wanted to make. And I said, I would make jigs for him or offer to find somebody that would help him out, get him some jigs to get started and at least learn how to powder paint and put skirts together. That Chris McCluskey is my, my buddy Gators Adventures. So um, I just, I believe in helping people out. There's other people that show up on the shows, right? Um, yeah, I don't know what to say, guys. Be good to people in this world. Yeah. That's while, just how... while we're on the subject of helping people out, 
Yeah. If any of you guys go to screw around with tin, make sure when you go to powder paint and heat them, since the melting point is a lot lower, you need to be careful when you go to bake and cure your jigs. If it says 400 degrees for five or 10 minutes, go for the 25 to 30 minutes at 350 or 325, whatever your powder paint calls for. Because if you go too hot, you will go, after you spend all that time, you'll open your your uh, your baking oven and you'll see a bunch of melted tin and a big mess. I, I'm going to tell this story and I don't really know whether there was tin added or not, but there was a point in time many years ago, and I'm not going to say which company it was, but whatever, because it doesn't matter, but it was a, a lure parts site. So, but I'll never forget, I had bought hot lips. I call them the hot lips jigs, but basically I bought them for salt water. And that's what I started making my first bucktail jigs on. Right. And I had, I mean, we're talking like three quarter ounce, one ounce, one and a quarter ounce. And I, this is the only time this has ever happened in my life. I'm telling this story because people need to understand that jig makers are human too. And we're not always the cool kids club. You know, like we, we have things that happen too. And I'll never forget this, Aaron. I am heating a jig up, right? And I am, I'm, I've got this thing and I'm holding a pair of pliers because it's a big, like seven out, you know, six, seven, eight out hook. Right. And I am heating this thing over my heat gun. And I kid you not, I went over and stuck this thing in white powder paint and the freaking whole freaking head came off the freaking came off the chick. And I sat there and I thought, and I had been making jigs for many years already. And I felt like the biggest dummy. Cause I, you know what it was? It was years ago, minimum a dozen years ago. And I didn't not, I didn't have the mold. And I, I sat there and I just said, oh my gosh. I said, these are things I can't tell my friends. But now, now that this is the Jig Squad experience, hot lips, you know, <laughs> look at, look at this guy. I got to tell you, when I get on the flight tackle on here, wait till the fire starts getting shot back. <laughs> he, yeah, you can call me hot lips. Listen, here's the thing, guys. I could be called lots of different things. It's all good. I mean, I am no better than the next guy, but I'm going to tell you something. I can, I could debate with the best of them. So, um, right, wrong, or in between, we all have different opinions. And I, you know, I've made plenty of mistakes in this game. Uh, things I've screwed up, messed up. And I only tell that story, Aaron, because I kind of wonder, I'm like, there is no way that I just had lead melt, literally melt, almost melt off a hook enough where it would fall off. I, I, I don't know what happened. I bet you it was like they had like pewter or like bismuth or something. Yes. With and I had, yes. And it was, and I don't think it was tin. I think it was something else because they were not as they shiny. They were mixing tin in with that because the price of tin, you're just, you're there's not no way. That. And that's, and that's why I said, and for what it's worth, that the reason I didn't say the company is because I kind of, I like the company and, you know, it, they don't even have them anymore. You know, it was many years ago too. So, but it was just one of those things. I'm like, here's, here's me you know, heat up like one and a half ounce jigs and stuff. And I, I don't know how long to heat these things up. I don't know what my count is. This is different than my quarter and three eighth ounce. And I, and I just sat there and I go, Oh my God, what a dummy. But I told the story finally. So, um, Hey, so gators, whatever happens, just keep in mind that 
stuff happens and we're not always, you know, we don't always have it nailed down. All right. All right. So we're talking about blade bait. So we've talked about components on them a little bit, uh, or excuse me, at least the makeup of the, of the blade baits. And guys, listen, if you want to get the blade baits, the one that um, Aaron was showing that he typically uses, it's called the vibrating lure now. And it's, yeah. he, he had one that was ancient and, and not, and would you say that that's the same one as the orange one you were showing? Yes, it's just close. Uh, it, it's pretty dang close. This one just has eyes in it, uh, eye sockets, and uh, the sprue is a lot easier to clip off to manage. Okay, and and actually, you guys, just so you know, there's a couple different kinds, but here's the thing I always tell people if you want to go look, uh, uh, at any of these baits, I have a link down below, uh, the show description that. We listen. I'm going to tell you something. Aaron has Aaron has a link for dual molds too. This is not something that we make money off of, and I just want to be fair and tell people these things. Those links just show do it molds that we send a little attention their way. Um, the convenience of what this is all about is I use all this stuff, so I don't have to ham it up and be a shill and tell you about all these things. These are the things we make and use, right? That's the whole. Yeah. That's the whole thing. That's what we do, you know. So I don't know how else to describe it. The other two molds are the shad blade and the ultra minnow. So take a look. You could see those. Yeah, that's that's the ultra minnow, right? Yes, this is the ultra minnow. And a little larger profile. Is there and what would you say is the difference between the two when you're using one over the other, Aaron? A lot heavier vibration. Um, yes. I it has a lot of holes too. I try to go for the middle hole or the second hole from the front. Um, that's what I found best balance for it not tangling up. Uh, Russell loves these. He loves these ones. Um, the bigger ones. Yes, the bigger ones. Uh, I definitely go up to it when I'm looking for bigger fish or I'm looking for a bigger profile if I'm around bigger shad because obviously this is a quarter ounce size regular, well, that would be the old Zonar mold, which this is 10 and this isn't quarter ounce. It's like, I think, in between that like eighth and three sixteenth size. So let me ask you this, Aaron. So people are asking in chat, and you guys, I'm sorry. I get going when I start talking, and I once in a while I see one thing like on the fly calling me hot lips, and he's just he's like a bully. And I'll get back at him when he's on the show. So George, George says. And this is a good question because this is kind of like new. And I'll be honest, I, I'm a new airbrusher too. So when airbrushing blades, do you use nickel or brass? And then I'll further add that. Does it matter? Nickel is, the blades are a lot more expensive for nickel. So if you're okay. completely painting the bait, why not just buy brass? Um, if I'm airbrushing them, uh, this is an airbrushed one. Does brass or nickel change anything with the vibration of the bait? You get a little bit crisper of a vibration from nickel than brass, I think. Okay, that's, um, good. that's good to know. But if you're going to airbrush anything nickel or even brass, I like to take it to a wire wheel or rough it up just a little bit, rough the blade up because the paint just gets a better canvas to stick to um but there is literally nothing wrong with pouring a straight nickel blade 
and just fishing it like that. I mean, you're still going to catch a ton of fish. I have around 1,500 blade baits that should be back here in within the week from a coating company. I had some done in gold, gold, gold plated. Oh, that okay. Color, I use a ton of gold on Lake Erie, so. So, Anthony, hopefully that answers your question a little bit. So, Aaron sprays a lot of the baits, um, but you can't. I mean, powder, powder coating, there's nothing wrong with well. powder coating them. Powder coating works just fine. There's there's an old blade bait, Aaron, that used to be out, and they called it, um, good gosh. It, it, they sold a lot in the Chicagoland area. They were called Wolf River. I forgot the guy's name. He was well-known. Captain the May's Blade. That might have been it. He he was well known. He fished a ton on the Mississippi too. I forgot the guy's name. I'm probably hitting 20 guys to fish that were big blade bait. Yeah, like no, the that, big big wolf dude or something like that. It it was Wolf River, actually. And I, I can't remember the name in the Chicagoland area, but a lot of the shops around here used to sell them and they would use that ultra minnow sized head. Uh, but it was not in that um minnow shape. So I don't really know what that old mold was. Um, but Captain Jay's, I think still makes something very similar to it. It's a big lake. Like the guys on Lake Erie love them for walleye in the spring, but I still stick to my normal ZV blade for that kind of fishing. So here's I a great comment, but here's a great comment by Russ too. So the adjustments that you can make on the blade baits is that, you know, I, I'm going to tell you, Aaron, in time, we're going to have to do like a whole special segment or a whole separate show of like um of blade baits maybe that could be a uh one of the debate and i'm not saying the name of the show and i so i so you know what i'm just gonna no i'm not gonna do it i can't i gotta save some things for the end of the year so that could be one of the things that get people on talking about designing blade baits and the different functions and features and then adjustments of where the attachments are gonna go oh look at that bc bc's in the house so, Anthony, no problem, buddy. I mean, I miss some things when we talk about questions, but, um, you know, I, obviously some some good talk. All right, so listen, and we could come back to any of these type types of points, but there are – Aaron, I got to ask this because blade baits is – I mean, a lot of people fish blade baits, but one of the things that does not get talked about a ton, and I just I just want to be the guy that peels back the seal on this a little bit, and and you could go and say as much or as little as you want, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to say why I'm doing it. So jigging spoons are an extraordinary fish fish catching bait, right? And yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And and funny enough, and you guys listen, I want you to know why I'm bringing this up. So my background with this is fishing uh, j- jigging type spoons uh, in saltwater, but. If you guys, if anyone is a fan of Eric Hadia, all right, Eric Hadia has been crushing fish in saltwater down in Florida for walleye uh, on Wisconsin area uh, lakes, the Great Lakes. With um, he's been crushing brown trout, he's been crushing salmon, all on jigging spoons, right? And the crazy thing is these jigging spoons are closer than us than we know. And in the large, in the largemouth scene, these guys are throwing these big old spoons um, that are literally 10, 12 inch spoons 
and, and catching mondo largemouth everywhere from the spring to other times of the year. But there's also on the fly tackle, bink spoons are my go-to. I, you know, it's funny you say that on the fly because I have a box of about 40, 40 to 50 blanks of Binks spoons um, from, from talking to that company uh, with doing some things with my kids from school. But anyway, that's, that's for another story, right? Um, but there are some molds out there that you can use. And there's a whole myriad of, of molds that you can use. Some of them are designed for larger size, fluttered type spoons. But then there's a lot that are used on the Great Lakes or other areas. Um, and as Brian Schmidt just says right here, right? Vertical jigs for smallies is super fun. And I can't believe paint them for me. You owe me. You tell that to Aaron Diddy. He, I don't have all these molds yet. And I'm going to tell you something. Listen, Aaron's going to start talking about things and you're all going to be like going to look for these molds. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't have all these molds yet. And yet I'm the guy I've been talking about this for a while. I want to start making them because Aaron's the guy that inspired me to start talking about this stuff. Eric Hottie is another guy. Uh, but Aaron, talk to me about jigging or casting styled spoons for Great Lakes fish, whether it be smallmouth, walleye. That'll get people at least interested and started. I mean, I, I fish I fish uh, jigging spoons late in the fall. It's coming up here real, real quick. A lot of guys don't know that Lake Erie has some world-class lake trout fishing um, in the fall. Uh in certain waters uh but probably the the most well-known of pouring spoons would be this casting spoon from do it and that's a what is that a three-quarter or this is the half ounce size but it's only five sixteenths because this is this is 10 too look at this sneaky sob <laughs> this has teeth marks on it that is some chipped powder coat that caught some smallmouth back in the spring. Hold, um, Aaron, Aaron, hold that up because I want people to see. Okay, so two things, guys. Listen, you see the profile. I call it a coffin profile. Turn yes. it sideways, too, Aaron. So there's it, it's it's a thicker it's a thicker style spoon. And and when it comes to pouring lead, we all know that you can bend lead a little bit before it breaks. And some of these you can actually, if you want to get more of a flutter to the spoon, you can actually bend them slightly and put a bend into them to get a better action out of them. It's a great comment. So if anyone's out there and you are a, even if you're not a regular salmon fisherman and you are just a king chaser, the fall king chaser, and you are a spoon caster, that's the entire function of behind the, the whole spoon industry, whether it be a uh, classically styled little Cleo. And I'm a salmon. My background with spoons is with salmon, frankly. Yeah. Steel, a, steel little Cleo, fishing, a little, little, Cleo. little Cleo is one of my go-tos. I, I, you know, and I won't say exactly where, cause I think people would kill me if I said where, but I caught, I, I haven't caught a King in a lot of years and I caught one last Saturday night on a ko wobbler <laughs> i've got i've got some of those i throw those for for steelhead too in the fall yeah and so it's funny because you guys listen 
Here's the thing. This is the reason this topic right here and now is so important is because any single one of you that ever goes on a vacation to anywhere, uh, uh, any oceanic place, right? And you uh, should buy yourself a cheap two-piece rod and a cheap two-piece two. Brendan, what's up, buddy? You should buy yourself a cheap rod holder and a cheap two-piece rod and throw a reel in your bag and you should be casting off the beach. And if you start thinking about some of these spoons we're going to talk about, you should be making these for yourself and using them when you go on vacation. Not to mention river systems uh, or on the Great Lakes or larger lake systems. And they do work for large mouth as well as small mouth, right? So it's, oh, yeah. they cross Especially when it comes to flutter spoons, like um, the metal, metal type. And I'll, I'll throw it out there. Uh, Lure Parts Online has some great blanks that you can buy and put together yourself. And they've got different color color applications. They do. And and you guys, listen, that's not even casting. That's not even a lead-type spoon. You can buy spoon blanks and put them together yourself. And frankly, just get online and start asking questions. And if you if you don't know what type, type of size split ring to buy or what size treble hook to buy, ask. And, you know, you – because when you go and look, like – Here's the thing, guys. Nine times out of ten, where I tell people to go look, I tell people to go look on Do It Molds. Why? Because I because I I work with Do It Molds, and my thing is, it's like I said, it's a way for them to just see that I'm sending some traffic for them to view their product. I don't care if you buy your stuff from Lure Parts Online, from Matt Barlow and the crew over at Barlow's. Whether you have another area that is your favorite place, go do what you're gonna do. But when you go and look at things, if you need options and stuff like that, like like Aaron just gave you an option, like you could buy blanks. There's blanks available for purchase on dual molds, lower parts online, Barlow's Tackle, wherever you want to go. But if you're interested and you're a jig maker and you have a pot and you want to make some of your own spoons, Aaron, I'm going to mention three that I know you use already. So those are some custom spoons ready. These are a big flutter spoon. Look at those things. Those are gold perch, yellow perch. This is a crappie. I mean, right, let me make you big on that. I want to see that crappie again, Aaron. Nice. This would be more largemouth fishing, but I'll tell you what, this is one I have beat the crap and back. You can see the teeth marks on it. This is caught. I don't know how many walleye smallmouth up at Lake Erie. Look at you got a little you got a little uh, glitter effect on there too. Yeah, that's uh that's epoxy I put over because I airbrushed it a little bit to look like a perch. Mm -hmm. Here's another one that's caught a lot of fish. See now mm -hmm. you're talking my style because you're talking close to the crocodile style. Yeah. I mean you can see how chewed up that thing is. That's a great, that is a super, uh, super styled uh, jig right there. I have a hard time deciding, Aaron, when, when it comes, I'll be honest with you, when it comes to making my own for saltwater, I have a hard time deciding what I think is the, the best size. Because to be honest with you, the only ones I've made of those hard metal uh, impressions uh, spoons has been for saltwater, frankly. You know, so I you'd be surprised like how well a spoon like this does up at Lake Erie. 
especially oh, yeah. in smallmouth. I mean, when you're getting into that four, five, six, seven pound range of smallies, they're not eating small bait fish a lot of the times. If you can find them around that five to six inch, seven inch perch, yeah, they'll they'll be nice. they'll be choking these spoons. So let me ask you a question, Aaron. When do you go from the point of more of those casted spoons like that of the hard metals to the like the lead ones like so here's the deal guys i i made a little list for myself i told you i had a little i had some notes tonight right and so of the these are the spoons right here so but i'm gonna read off i, I you could see i put a little dot next to three of them these are the three spoons that i really liked that this is not for um this is not for salt. Well, it is. For, I could use these for salt water, for redfish, for snook, off the beaches, all kinds of things. But the three that I really like are the casting spoon, the shad spoon, and then the minnow spoon. So on the right, and and that one on the left is the shad spoon, right, Aaron? Yep, that's the shad spoon. And the one on the right, in which Aaron showed before, that's the casting spoon. And then the minnow spoon, which is weird because it's not weird. I think that, um, like, on the fly tackle mentioned that earlier, the minnow spoon, that's the shad spoon, right? Yeah, this is the shad spoon. The minnow spoon. But the uh, minnow spoon, if I'm not mistaken, oh, what size is that? Because I think it only comes in, don't they only have it in the, mm. is it upwards of one ounce? They're yeah. a little bigger. This is, I want to say this is seven eighths, but I think I'm wrong. This might be like the five eighths or half ounce. I just, gotta... started, I just started pouring these ones like a year and a half ago. I started, I started with the casting spoon. Um, that's always a good go-to. And then the shad spoon came up after that. And then I got the minnow spoon and which this is the minnow spoon. And I got the slab spoon at about the same time too. So that slab spoon is deadly. And listen, I'm going to tell you. If something. you're on schooling fish that are eating shad, alewife, whatever, that shad spoon or that that uh, slab spoon is is a deadly, deadly spoon. Is that the name of it? It's the slab spoon. I believe it's the slab spoon. I could be wrong. Because um, I think there's two ones. I Here's what I wrote down. I wrote down shad bait and then there's a shad spoon. So maybe, maybe I just wrote it down differently. The yeah. point is. If you guys look for these things, now listen, you guys you guys saw on the fly tackle talk about earlier the minnow spoon, right? And obviously some smaller sizes work in that as well. Like I, I will say that three eighths, half, five eighths, three quarters are tremendously effective. But that minnow spoon, uh, the mold is out right now at dual molds. I don't know if Barlow's has it, Ziner's, uh, LPO. Oh. Flutter, flutter spoon. Yes, the flutter spoon. spoon. And so that, the would be, spoon, that would be an ocean, definitely an ocean thing for you. The other thing is that flutter spoon, you guys, this flutter spoon comes in, uh, it comes in a larger sizes, but I, I'm 99% sure that there's a smaller mold sign for that flutter spoon that Aaron just held up. That is like quarter, three eighth, and half as well. That's that's what this is. I think this goes up to ounce and a quarter, maybe. And this yeah. is, I want to say, like the seven eight size or something. It's one of the smaller sizes. 
This is another one that it has a great action, and I've played with it, putting you know bending it some and putting some bends in it uh, to get a better flutter action out of it. So here's a great comment behind the fly. So three quarter is what we use most often. Yeah, yeah, three quarter. That three quarter seven eight size is what you're going to end up using ninety percent of the time. This is this is a good discussion too. So here's here's what I'll say. Um, yeah, HB, I appreciate you, buddy. Um, yes, yes, you guys, Hellabass. If you guys aren't following Hellabass on YouTube, please go check him out. He's a great dude. He's supportive of a lot of people in the YouTube scene. Um, he's genuine. He's honest. He's very knowledgeable. Please check out his YouTube page. Um, he's a great dude. So HB has some great lives, and he always tells people he just wants you to suck less. That's what he says. Um, all right. So here's what I'll say. So on the fly says, right, three quarters is what we use most often. So here's how I would describe. So if you're not a spoon user, this is what I'll say. Um, some of these spoons that we're talking about are a little more uh, uh, smaller profile. So what 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 that what that does is it changes the lift a spoon has in the water. Um but what you have to remember, and I would describe this as similar, probably what most people would understand if you're not a spoon fisherman, is the same concept with throwing chatterbaits, right? So depending on the weighted chatterbait that you throw, uh, you are going to be able to retrieve at different speeds um, because you're going to get different lift in the water. And the same holds true with spoons. So when you get a flutter action, it's, it's not going straight through the water. You're going to get a, a swaying back and forth effect depending on the spoon. And as Aaron was talking about, about how it's bent. And as you saw me talk about earlier when Aaron was showing the one where I said a little more of a waviness to some of those casted hard metal spoons, there's different actions in the water. So they're all like a fluttering type action. If you go and take some on vacation, you're going to be retrieving them faster. You're burning them through the water. But if you're fishing them in freshwater applications, you're fishing these differently and you're going for that fluttered type action. Aaron, tell me, and I'm going to be honest, most of my spoon experience is saltwater or for salmon. Tell me what I just, based off of what I just said about the fluttering in the action and retrieve type of in the water, how does, is it like that similarly for walleye and bass or is it different? Yes, most of the time you're not casting and retrieving. You're more or less casting to where the fish are, where they're relating to either the cover or the forage that they're feeding on. Because that's why, that's where they, I mean, metal flutter spoons will work great in the summer, but they really work good in the cold weather months because as that water is quickly cooling down, a lot of your bait fish, like, I mean, everything's starting to compress and huddle up, but you, you start to have, you know, shad die-offs in the fall. And you're almost trying to mimic what a dying shad looks like um, in the water column. So I'm usually snapping, casting out to the fish and, and snapping it, giving it a couple quick snaps, anywhere from like a 12 inch snap, you know, where that bait's moving up 12 inches, or if those fish are higher and they're more schooled. Um, so there's a little bit more competition where you can, you can kind of work it a little bit more radically. I'll be hopping that thing five, six feet in the water column. I mean, huge strokes in that rod to get that. Snap that because you're not, those fish aren't going to be hitting on the pole. 
you might go to 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 jack that spoon and hit it and you're setting into the fish that has already hit it on the downfall 99.9 percent of your hits are going to be when that bait is fluttering down sometimes you'll feel it or sometimes that bait will hit bottom and i find it a lot with smallmouth they'll go to pin that bait on bottom with their nose before they eat it and when you go to go to hit it to to snap that that jigging spoon again you just set right into their face so guys very important thing that aaron's talking about there and it definitely gets into a lot of what happens in the vertical jigging world um even with walleye right so when walleye are on bottom they they will also do the same thing i my my opinion yes. they will they walleye, walleye and saw guy both we have something you know it's the hybrid fish saw guy yes they're mostly a bottom dwelling fish they don't suspend as much as walleye do and they do the same thing especially with blade baits you'll get them instead of getting in the mouth a lot of times you'll get them underneath the jaw because they go over to that bait especially if you're fishing a, a softer sillier bottom and i don't know if they're either looking for it or they're trying to pin it down on bottom so it doesn't get away but when you go to lift that bait again you're getting them right in the bottom of the jaw yeah, you know, it's so interesting because so I have friends that do this on the river systems for walleye. And um, I mean, even moving into like talking about ripping wraps and stuff like that. And um, and so I, I just don't normally, to be honest with you, it's not that I haven't fished jigs like that. It's just that I, you know, I've jigged for walleye before, but I've never I've, I haven't used jigging spoons and stuff to that extent. And it just it's not that I haven't, but it's just I have not done it that much so the concept is so interesting to me um when you talk about the different species and you know how you can use some of these i mean i think it's awesome so anthony asks aaron he says um can you talk at all about how thicker spoons are different to say a three quarter ounce or seven eighth ounce i believe anthony tell me if i'm wrong are you talking about a cotton cordell spoon yeah i'm guessing he's he's talking that's about what i think it's just going to be all ready to fall I mean, some of these these casting spoons, they're they're thicker, they're thinner. Um, it's just all going to be your rate of fall in action. A lot of these casting spoons, they all have the same shape, and they all have just about the same action. The only time I've changed my action a bunch is I want a larger profile, but I want a lighter bait where I don't want a 7-8 ounce. So that's why I started pouring with tin. So I can get more hang time is what I call it, where that bait's not going down so fast. It has a little bit more slower of a fall to where those fish get a better chance at, at getting it before it gets to the bottom. Yeah, that's a great point, too. It It's so interesting, the diversity of how we can kind of manage these spoons. But, I mean, you guys, listen, I, here's what I would say. So you, you may not... There's a couple things. One, I, I bet you you could find people on eBay or anywhere else where you could find somebody that already makes some of these different styled bodied spoons. So if you if you if you're not a jig maker, you can buy some of these things already. Or if you're not a lead pourer, you could buy some of these on your own, powder paint them on your own, play around. Yeah. You feel like you get the tinker. If you already have a pot, you could buy molds from any of the places that are out there, but just start looking. Try and try and change up the experience of what you have and what type of um, baits you're making. And I do feel that like there's this love affair between jig makers and jigging spoons, um, that they, they exist in, in, um, in, in, 
there's a little bit of feng shui to the experience of these two being together and why I think it's the bait making thing. And um, I just do. And I, um, maybe it's the lead. I don't know. Um, but I just think it's, um, it's fun, fun discussions. So let's see. Michael Bradley says, do you ever fish those with a single hook? That's another good question, Michael Bradley. Oh man. When I was a kid, yes. We used to take, um, it was, it was made by baby knock. It was called a Swedish pimple. It's usually an ice fishing bait. Ice fishing bait. My right. dad would always take like the five end size or the six end size, take the treble hook off, put a single bait holder hook. And we, when we walleye fished, we would tip it with like a half a piece of a night crawler or, or a minnow. That's the only time I would probably fish a single hook because you're going to lose a ton of hookup ratio with a single hook, unless you're fishing in that heavy a cover. I mean, that's, that was one of the reasons why I went with, and I, I hate even saying this because every time I've told people about them, they end up being sold out and you can't find them anymore. But these <laughs> Tamagotsu double 21s that you put on a blade bait, um, if I'm fishing this in heavier rock, they don't hang up as, as much. Or in the springtime, I fish these in around freshly growing grass and having those double 21s they just come through the grass a lot better where you're not getting them hung up constantly and having to to really rip them hard to get that grass cleaned off all right so here's one too and i think we mentioned flutter earlier which are you know not the same a little different so matt matt some south jersey fisherman his name's matt and he always he fishes the salt as well and he says have you ever thought about butterfly jigs or spoons and his epoxy jigs, man, you're thinking hoagie here, brother. I know what you're thinking. Have you ever come, uh, epoxy jigs ever came to, th uh, thoughts? I'm, I am, why can't I read this? So you could keep these jigs in the water column and almost use them as a top water. So basically by adding epoxy to some of these jigs, so whether it be a smaller size jig and then you epoxy coated them to thicken them up a little bit more. So basically, the saltwater scene has, uh, like, Hoagie is a company that does it, but they call them all epoxy jigs. So a lot of them are lead-based jigs that they go and epoxy over, right? Have you ever done anything like that and coat no. them in such a fashion? No, I have not. I already see I already see Brian Schmidt's, uh, his comment. Hold on, let me see. Here's Brian if rigged as an assist hook for open water, a single hook is great. And it's saltwater likes the assist hooks a lot too. Yeah. So, but I look at that. Hook a lot. And you know what? Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You said earlier you buy AliExpress and that, that jig is off of AliExpress and yep. I could just tell. True it or is. not? It is very true. It <laughs> from our great. guy, from our guy too, isn't it? Yep. It works yeah. great. Oh, I, as soon as I saw it, I'm looking, I was literally just looking at those last night. <laughs> they do oh, work. It's hilarious. So you guys listen. So funny enough, single hooks in the saltwater world are used quite a bit, but a lot of that for the saltwater game is because the fish are so violent and, um, and, and it's just a different animal trying to unhook them. And they, they talk about it in terms of a little bit more care for the fish, but I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I just want to button them up. You know, um, I hate on me. I don't care. I want to button the fish up. So, um, Anthony, I appreciate you. Listen, I'm going to tell you something, Eric. We have to, we've got to get you on. And 
I would like to do some specialty focus uh, as we move into 2023, specialty focus shows that talk about some of these other things. But before we get out of here tonight, I want to give you a chance. Is there anything that you had out tonight that we, we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we, you, we touch on uh, and cover? No, I think we got it. It's, it's the, only, crazy. the only thing I didn't get into was uh, some of my bigger jigs. When we were talking about jigs, I guess I should have brought yeah, that let, up. No, let's talk about that. So what? tell me why. T- what was the impetus be, be, behind making some of these larger jigs and I mean, why you want to use this them? This continued now, but this is a five-inch chigger crawl as a trailer, and this is a five-inch pit boss. It's, I mean, for size comparison – this is a typical half ounce jig sure and this is a giant mop jig i use these specific i'll use them all year long but uh post spawn is one of my favorite times to use these when those big females come off and they're just looking for a large meal um bigger trailers you get a slower fall with it and I think more or less it's just profile. I'm not trying to make these look like some giant crayfish. I'm literally looking for a profile of bluegill. When those females come off the beds, they're starting to push off into a little bit deeper water and recuperate, and they're feeding hard, and they're not looking to spend a whole bunch of energy eating a bunch of little minnows or shad. They're just looking for one big meal. Mm-hmm. This is killer. I mean... I, I, Sometimes you're only fishing for a couple bites a day, or I've had days where I've caught 20 or 30 fish on it. But every time you get bit, it's like two and three quarter pound, you know, large mouth and better. That's fantastic. So let me ask you a question, Aaron. When you're making those larger style jigs, uh, what the material you had on there was silicone or you using rubber? these are i have a little bit of silicone mixed in with this one but it's mostly round rubber okay did you did you uh thread tie those yes they're all thread tied you got it you gotta hand tie these you do and you you know how round rubber is and how you gotta separate it and how you gotta tie it on it's gotta be thread tied yeah you know it's funny that that's a great point because i before um before i went out to the mississippi i purposely just made a couple up real quick with some wire ties, right? And the thing is with the wire ties is that um, I just feel like I get too much of an umbrella effect, almost more yeah. than I want than if I thread tie with um, – and, and to be honest with you, I don't think I've ever said that before. But And there's ways of doing that. I mean, you can always mitigate those – that variable based on how many thread wraps you use but you know i get set my ways too right it's the material too because you can see how much skinnier i mean i have this one loaded up a lot more yes but this is a medium and a small round river mixed in where this is just large yeah large size and it just umbrellas a lot It, it just umbrellas a lot different on the bait that's a big jig you know what's funny? Listen, I'm going to say this, and a lot of people are on. So my guy, BC, I'll just, just say BC because he, know, he knows what I'm talking about. When he told me to ha- I should put a little more attitude out there, right? I, You guys know this. I have any, any way people design jigs, I'm down with, right? How you do it, how you make your jig, how you want it. 
But um, you guys know how I do things, right? I, I And I make a couple of mop jigs. I call them the mop jigs, right? Not, not what everyone else calls a mop jig, but you guys know how much material I'm down for, right? Um, and, and everyone designs jigs differently. Um, and sometimes, sometimes I'll design a jig uh, based off of how much color I want to put into it. And I'll let that dictate how much material I put in there, which shouldn't be the way it goes. But sometimes, like I told you, even though I put flow first, I like color more, right? <laughs> so sometimes if I want more color, I'm willing to mitigate circumstances to allow myself to move closer to two tabs, right? <laughs> that's, just, that's just that's just the world of CUDA and Jig Squad. Um, I, Aaron, I appreciate you showing those jigs because I think I get the application of them, of when you would want to use it. You're going for a big fish bite. You're going post-spawn. Um, and the thing is, you got to have confidence. You're fishing a jig and you don't have confidence in it. You're not going to get bit as much. You're just not. You're not going to fish it. You're not going to feel the bait. The flow and action you would part to that jig is not going to be the same. So I don't yeah, know. It's, it's especially throwing a bait of that caliber. Because I remember when I tied my first one up, God, probably 12 or 15 years ago. And my dad and I were in a little evening tournament. And I was on like the third or fourth cast with it. And I told my dad, I was like, I just don't think I'm going to get bit on this. It's just too big. And like yeah. literally a second after I said that, you saw the line pop. I set into it, and it was like, I think it was seven pounds, four ounces. It ended up taking big bass of the night. And that's what started it for me because my dad was like, I can't believe you're using five-inch trigger crawls as, as a trailer for that thing. I I, I honestly think um... – you know, I watched a interview the other day on, I think it was Bass University. I think they were talking to Keith Poche. And Poche's like, yeah, I got five rods on the deck of my boat. I'm throwing a pit boss, a frog. Uh, you know, like as simple as the day, the day is long. And I'm thinking, look at all this crazy stuff that we all have. And, um, you know, I don't know if I, I, I would have it any other way. But I will say that when you bring up Chigger Crog, uh, or trigger crop. I'm just telling you, I honestly think that you could take everything else away. And, and if I was going to Texas rig something and it could just be a trigger crop. And I think I could get by for the rest of my life in terms of Texas rig baits. That's the truth. I love yeah. flipping and pitching them. And I mean, they may, Oh yeah. They may, yeah. I'll throw them on anything. Football jigs, anything great trailer, um, throw them on yes. like a city grass jig punching. I mean, they go on everything. So listen, I'm going to say this one thing. So Gators just says here, and I want to bring this up. So Chris, we're going to talk. So um, here's the thing that you got to remember. Uh, I will say this. If you don't have confidence in the jig, swim it. Swim it, pretend it's a spinnerbait, yep. right? And you, eventually you're going to get slam boned. And that's, you got to catch, you got to catch a few and you have to get that confidence and, and, when you get slammed by something like a spinner bait or something like that, you're those fish are gonna bite no matter what. I mean, you got this whirly bird of a thing flying through the water, and and, and a swim jig is just a a scaled down version of a spinner bait, if you ask yeah. me. And people people will say different. You could do different things with it, but that's what you're doing. You know, it's a basic, it's a basic approach, and it's not more complicated than that. And the only way you believe it is when you catch fish on it. And, and a lot of times that's when fish are biting, you know? So it's, it's, that's the starting point. And then from there, then you move on from it. And, um, 
that becomes the fun of making some of your own stuff. And I'll, I'll, I'll connect with you, bud. I'm going to help out. I was very nice of Brian Schmidt to offer up some, um, yeah, some of the best, some of the best swim jigs and other things in the game is Brian Schmidt. So he's, um, he's a great person, Chris, and, um, he'll take care of you. So, um, he make, Brian makes some awesome stuff. He does dude. And I think, uh, yeah, I mean, and listen, uh, Brian Schmidt, I'm not going to say it right now. And you know what I want to say. So let's just say there's a lot of things and it's not just jig squad. There's a lot of exciting things coming in 2023 and I'm just gonna, we're gonna, that's all I'm going to say. So lots of good stuff coming. The world is filled with good people. There's world. The world is filled with a lot of good jig makers and there's going to be a lot of new things coming. Aaron, we're going to get out of here, buddy. I stay in chat because I'm going to end the show, but, um, uh, I'll, we'll still be backstage after I end it. But listen, you guys, everyone in chat, um, hit the thumbs up. Everyone tells me I should tell people to like the show. Fine. Go ahead. Like the show. I don't care if you don't, it doesn't matter to me. Um, subscribe. I do like to subscribe cause I'm really, the goal is to try and get this to a thousand. Um, I, I, I don't know why it's a milestone and I want to hit it. So share the show, pass it on. There's a lot of good people coming up. And if you subscribe to the show, there's a couple ways you could see the shows that are coming up. So when you subscribe, if you go and click videos, then on the page, after you click videos, you can go down and see and, and click the little menu item and it'll say upcoming live streams. And you'll be able to see all the shows scheduled. Um, freaking, I look up and it's always on the fly saying silly stuff, calling me a tease. You'll be able to see all the shows coming up and I've got them booked out for the rest of the year. So you guys, I appreciate you a ton. We are the only show online right now that is talking exclusively about jigs and jig related making and casting and fishing. Um, Aaron, I can't thank you enough for being on tonight, guys. We're going to dip Aaron. Any last words before we get out of here? Uh, no, just, uh, just follow your passion with bait making. That's all I can say. Aaron is going to be back folks. You're going to see him in a couple different formats. He, I haven't told him this, but a couple different formats for 2022, uh, for some debate, which will be to come. Uh, but that's it. You guys, uh, share the show, hit the subscribe button. We're out.